0: Amen. You guys can be seated unless you're a pirate ship kid, in which case you are dismissed. I relate to the pirate ship theme. I'm a buccaneer at Charleston Southern University, and so that really hits home with me. But I'm a, I'm a senior there. My name is Adam, if we haven't met before, and as usual, it is a privilege to be able to speak to you this morning. I'm glad that David gave me this opportunity. If you have your Bibles, my message today is continuing in a series we've been in for the past several weeks, going through the book of Exodus, so I'd love to invite you to turn there with me. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 18 this morning. And while you're turning there, Thanksgiving, as was mentioned a few moments ago, is right around the corner. It's this, this coming week, and every year I visit with my mom's side of the family for lunch, and then we visit with my dad's side of the family for supper. And so I get two huge Thanksgiving dinners every year. And if you're like me, you don't stint when it comes to Thanksgiving. And you can probably tell I've been packing on a few pounds, right? I can probably hide behind this music stand. But I know how to put down some plates of turkey. Again, that's pretty obvious, right? So what ends up happening every year is that you're walking back to your seat with your plate in one hand and sweet tea in the other hand. And no matter how big of a plate you get, because we bust out the big plates, like we don't play around, you've got your macaroni and cheese that's kind of like spilling over into your cranberry sauce, and then you've got your turkey that's really kind of piled on top of your sweet potato casserole, because it's like, it, you, can, you can pull out the biggest plates you have, and there never seems to be enough room for everything on your plate. So no matter what happens, there's always something that gets left out, because we just can't fit everything on our plates. And maybe you've never experienced this before, right? Maybe I'm just a glutton, I don't know. But... Our lives, when you think about it, are a lot like those Thanksgiving dinner plates. There's only so much that we can carry at one time. There's only so many responsibilities and tasks that we can put on our plates at one time before they start to overflow and before we start to feel the weight of everything. Now, the the fact of the matter is that some people have a bigger plate than others, right? That's just the way that it is. I tend to be able to fit a lot of things on my plate at one time without getting overwhelmed. And I'm not bragging, but I'll give you an example A couple years ago, I was still in college, and so I'm writing papers, I'm taking tests. On top of that, I'm balancing a part-time job, and I was pretty involved in student ministry at the time. And on top of all that, I had time to write and publish a book. And it sounds like I'm bragging, but I was just really looking for an example to mention my book, so now you have to buy it. It's available on Amazon. It's called Bubblegum Gospel, so that's my plug for the day. But some people have a smaller plate, and understand there's nothing any worse or better about having a different size plate. But having a smaller plate simply means that you're probably more uh, uh, one-track mind-focused. You can focus on one thing at a time. You're more detail-oriented. You're probably better at prioritizing. See, I mentioned that I had time to write a book. I never said it was good. (laughs) But it's good. Trust me. You should read it. So that's just the way that things go. We have different sized plates. And some of us can carry more things at one time. Some of us can't. There's nothing, again, there's nothing wrong with having a small or a big plate. But what we all have in common, regardless of how big your plate is, how much you can carry the one thing that we all have in common is that there comes a point where we can't fit anything else. Where we realize that we've got too much on our plates and it's starting to spill over and we feel the weight of that and we get overwhelmed and we get burnt out. And the question that I think we need to ask ourselves this morning is what do you do when you have too much on your plate? What do you have when you feel the weight of everything, all your responsibilities, and you just can't carry it anymore? You see, Our society, unfortunately, is one that praises having a lot on our plates. Our culture is one where it says the more you have on your plate, the more responsibilities you have, the more you have going on in your life, well then the more successful you must be. And that's what we assume, but really that couldn't be farther from the truth. Because in turn, we end up missing out on some of the best parts of life. Most families today don't even eat dinner together anymore. One, because it's not valued like it used to be, and secondly, we just don't have time. We have so many other things going on in our lives that we don't make time for the things that matter the most. So what do you do when you need to delegate? What do you do when you have too much on your plate? And that's why this morning we're looking at a real-life example, a real historical example of somebody who needed to delegate, and if you've been with us for a while, you already know his name is Moses. So it's Exodus chapter 18, we're going to start with verse 1. Let's read this passage, and it says this, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of one son was Gershom, for he said, I've been a sojourner in the foreign land. And the name of the other, Eliezer, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, in in case you've forgotten who he is, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of the welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel in that he delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair, they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, Brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders to eat bread with Moses' father in law before God. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father in law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone, and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses said to him, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, They come to me, and I decide between one person and the other, and I make known to them the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for this thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I'll give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God, bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them. "...about the statutes and the laws, and make known to them the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, who hate a bribe, and place such, people over the, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they can decide themselves. So then it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you." If you do this, God will direct you, and you will be able to endure. And all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them the heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small case they decided among themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, And he went away to his own country. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we love you and we thank you that we get to do this freely, that we get to gather in your name. I just pray that you would speak through me, that you would remove any distractions this morning, and that your word would go out into this community, God. And so we just praise you this morning. We give you all the glory. In your name we pray, amen. So in the past few weeks, there's a lot that's been going on. And again, if it's your first time with us, you can actually go back and listen to past sermons on our website if you feel the need to catch up. But most of you have actually been following along in your Bible reading, hopefully. So you kind of already know what's going on in this story. But I'll give you just kind of an elevator pitch recap of what all has happened. Moses is one of the most well-known names in the whole Bible. Pretty much everybody knows who this guy Moses is because he plays a huge role in the Old Testament, to say the least. So God has specifically chosen Moses... To lead his people, Israel, out of the hand of the Egyptians. And again, if you've been keeping up with your Bible, you already know kind of what happens in the story, but later we're going to see that it's through Moses that God establishes a new covenant. He he establishes the moral law, the Ten Commandments, and various uh, ceremonial and cultural laws, the law codes. And so he also speaks to Moses through the burning bush. We saw that the first week. And we had the incident where he strikes the rock and the water comes out. So all this stuff is happening through Moses. And it's all centered around these people known as Israel. And so needless to say, Moses has a lot on his plate. He's playing a huge role in the biblical narrative. And on top of this, the people that he's leading are thousands and thousands and thousands of Israelites. This isn't just like a group of maybe 50, you know, dudes that he's just kind of walking around with. No, These are hundreds of thousands of Israelites that Moses has been tasked with leading. And so as you can imagine, this is a really difficult task. But God has specifically chosen Moses to do it. And what we need to understand about this situation in particular is that what has happened up until this point, and what brings us to our point in the story, is that Moses had essentially become king in his own mind. And what I mean by that is Moses' leadership at this point had gotten to a kind of unhealthy level. He was playing king because, he, after all, he's the only one that's leading these thousands and thousands of Israelites. And so his leadership had gotten very unhealthy. I mean, can you imagine if that were you? Put yourself in Moses' shoes. Imagine if you were in charge of leading hundreds of thousands of Israelites. Is that even possible? I would say no, there's no way I could do that. And so we empathize with Moses. We understand why his leadership got to this unhealthy level. But that that brings us to where we are in the story. So Jethro... Moses' father in law says some very important things here that I think we need to take, uh, take into consideration. Look at what the text says again. It says, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father in law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Look at verse 10 again. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of, Egypt, uh, the, out of, the, hand of the Egyptians. And verse 11 says, I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods. There's a theme here. And if you picked up on it, Jethro is acknowledging and recognizing God's authority. So he recognizes God's authority. This is the first thing that I think we need to take note of in this passage. The passage begins this way, and you see it throughout the whole passage, is that this acknowledgement of the authority of God. Look at all that God has done for Israel. Look at how God rescued Israel. Nothing has happened thus far in the book of Exodus, and in the whole biblical narrative really, up until this point, That hasn't been of the hand of God. And I think this is a really crucial point that we have to understand when we're reading historical narratives like this, but really any text of scripture. And that is this Moses is not the hero of the story. Let me see what I mean by that. Moses is not the good guy. God is. Moses is not the star of the story. God is. He's the protagonist, yes, but he's not the hero. The only good guy in all of Scripture was a man named Jesus. And it's easy to read stories like this in the Old Testament and even the New Testament. We, we see Moses, we see Abraham and David, and we make them out to be the good guys, and, and like we're supposed to model our lives after them. But really, they all serve one purpose, and that is to point us toward Christ. Every single person in the Bible besides Jesus points us toward Jesus. So we can learn things from them, absolutely. We can learn how they were faithful, and they trusted God, and God was faithful, but the Bible's not about them. The Bible's about Jesus. And so this is what Jethro is doing, is he's acknowledging the authority of God over Israel. Everybody else in the narrative, in the story, in the rest of Scripture is simply a supporting role in the greater theme of redemption through Christ. And you'll notice that every single person in the Bible, besides Jesus, has one thing in common, and it's this nasty thing called sin. They're fallen, sinful, broken people, just like us, who God uses to accomplish His will. David, for example, a man after God's own heart, David was an adulterous murderer. Abraham, the father of the faith, he tried to sell his wife as a sex slave. What about the New Testament? We look at Paul, the greatest missionary of all time. Paul used to murder Christians. What about Peter, another apostle? Peter was a racist who at one point didn't associate with anybody who wasn't Jewish. You see the theme here? All of these people are being used by God, but they're all scarred by sin. They're all imperfect, and they all serve one purpose to point us toward the one who was perfect, and that's Jesus. So everybody except Christ is sinful, and the same is true about us. So don't underestimate God's ability to use you in ways that you could never imagine. So this raises an important question, doesn't it? What is biblical leadership? We all have this sin problem in common, but why should we follow those whom God has appointed to positions of authority? What does it look like to be a biblical leader? Look at verse 17 with me again. It says, Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out, for this thing is too big for you. It's too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. Moses, like I mentioned earlier, he has a huge responsibility. Moses is leading the people that would bring about the bloodline through whom the Messiah would come into the world. That's Israel. This is a huge task. Israel matters in the Old Testament. Israel matters in the New Testament. And Israel still matters today. This is the bloodline of the Messiah. And so Moses has been tasked with leading these people. That's a huge deal. And notice that God never said it would be be an easy task. He never said, yeah, Moses, I want you to lead my chosen people. I want you to lead the people who will bring about the Messiah into the world. But it's no big deal. You know, it'll be a piece of cake. Don't even worry about it. He never said it would be easy. In fact, nowhere in Scripture does it say that following the will of God will be an easy task. Jesus actually promises us the complete opposite. He says, you will have trials. He says, remember, if the world hates you, they hated me first. So he never promises that it'll be easy, but he promises that I will be with you. Remember at the burning bush, he said, I will be with you. So this is a big task. And Jethro sees the weight that Moses is carrying, and he says, you can't do this by yourself. Your leadership has gotten to an unhealthy level. There's conflicts going on among Israel that you can't settle because you're just one person. Something has to change, Moses. You've got to get some help. Leadership is not easy. And we see this firsthand in Moses. But think with me for a second. Let's put this into a practical perspective. Imagine with me if Pastor David were the lead pastor, which he is, but on top of being the lead pastor, he were also in charge of Pirate Ship Kids. But not just that, what if he was also in charge of leading infants each week, and leading worship, and doing the tech booth, and setting up and tearing down all by himself? There's no possible way that he could do all of that. It's humanly impossible to carry that much weight. His plate would be overflowing. Leadership is hard. You see the problem? There's no way that one person can carry that much responsibility at one time. But this is ultimately what we allow to happen all the time in our lives. We have too much on our plates, and I'm speaking specifically about me, by the way. I am so guilty of this. I wanna do everything myself. See, I I kinda get into this mindset, well, then if I let somebody else do it, then they're gonna do it wrong, right? If you want something done right, you have gotta do it yourself. And so I try to carry all the weight myself. I don't like to delegate. And the reason why I don't like to delegate is because I'm prideful. And the reason why I'm prideful is because of this thing that we all have in common, and it's called sin. Sin has affected our ability to delegate. It makes us prideful. It makes us arrogant. We want to carry everything ourselves. We want to save ourselves from sin, even. See, we live in this world of brokenness, of sin, of rebellion against God, and we look for all these other means to try to get out of it. We don't want to admit that we need a Savior, because then that that means, well, I can't do everything myself but I have to do everything myself because I'm the boss, right? And so sin has affected our ability to be humble and delegate and admit when we need to say no to some things. I'm the first to admit that that's me, that I'm a sinner and I'm in desperate need of a savior. We don't want to delegate. And sometimes we put so much on our plates that we end up distracting ourselves with other things that may even be good things. But as a result, we don't make time for the best things and we don't make room for God. So this is why biblical authority is important. Just like Moses, our leaders can only carry so much weight. They're all human. And Jethro says, look for people who fear God, who are trustworthy, who hate a bribe. Let them judge the people, and then it'll be easier for you, and they'll bear the burden with you. This is what it means to live in a community, that we bear each other's burdens. And that's what healthy biblical leadership looks like. He says, look for people who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. They're not just in it for the money. They're not in it for recognition. They're in it to glorify God. That's what it means to be a biblical leader. And so the first question should be, are we willing to delegate? But also, are we willing to be delegated to? That's the second thing. Am I somebody that matches this description? Am I trustworthy? Do I fear God? Do I hate a bribe? Or am I just trying to carry it all myself? Am I somebody who is willing to be delegated to? See, just like Moses, we have a responsibility. The church as a whole, but even specifically here at Creekside, we have a responsibility to carry out Jesus' mission. And if we as the church are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to carry out his great commission that he left with his apostles, we can't do that without leaders, Again, that's why we do this in community. We're not in this alone. We're together in this, and we can't do it without delegating that authority. See, at the end of the day, even with all the good that Moses did, he's still human, and he still got to an unhealthy level of leadership. But he's an example of a biblical leader, but he's still fallen, and we are too. All human beings are marred by this thing called sin. Even if he wanted to, Moses couldn't reach the hundreds of thousands of people and touch them all. He couldn't if he tried. There's no way that one man could carry all that weight, but one God did it for him. See, if you don't take anything else from this message today, just hear this. Remember what the theme has been throughout this whole sermon, throughout this whole book, is that everything is pointing us towards one man, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the greater Moses. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. Jesus is the greater Moses. Moses led Israel out of Egyptian slavery, but Christ saves us from our slavery to sin. Moses led Israel under God's authority, but Christ redeems us from our fallen state of sin. Jesus is the greater Moses. Jesus is the greater David. Jesus is the greater Abraham. The thing that all of these leaders share is that they're pointing us toward Jesus and our need for a Savior. If anything, they're showing us why it's so hard for us to lead biblically, because we need Jesus. No matter how hard we try, we will never be able to bear the weight of sin. But yet we try to. We try to bear it ourselves. And by ourselves, we can never bridge the gap between us and Christ. Our sin has separated us from God. And because of that, we deserve the justified wrath of God. But thank God that Jesus made a way so that even the most notorious sinners can find redemption and forgiveness through Christ. Somebody had to die. Romans says the wages of sin is death. Someone had to die, and Christ died a brutal death in our place. He was the only one to live a sinless life because he's the only one who could. He was God in the flesh. And through his death on the cross, his death canceled our debt to sin. If we decide to trust in him and repent. But the good news of the gospel is that it doesn't end there. After three days, he was risen from the grave. He was resurrected. And the promise of the gospel is this, that one day all of this weight that we try to carry by ourselves, all of this weight that weighs us down, all of our sin and all of this pain and suffering will be no more and that we can live in eternity with Jesus in heaven. That's the promise of the gospel. The entire Old Testament is pointing toward that event, and the entire New Testament is looking back at it. This is the theme of the Bible, redemption through Christ. Jesus is the hero of the story, because Jesus is the greater Moses. So this week, as we go about our lives, will we be humble enough to admit when we have to say no to some things? Will we be humble enough to admit when we have too much on our plates? And in doing so, will we make time To acknowledge the one who really bears our burdens. See, at the end of the day, even Jesus delegated his authority. Remember, Jesus left his disciples to carry out his mission. When he ascended into heaven, he left his ministry with the apostles. They carried out the mission of Christ. And anyone who claims to be a disciple of Christ is expected and commanded to carry out this mission as well. We're disciple makers. This is the weight that we all bear. So what can you do this week to make room for God in your life? What do you have to say no to? What do you need to change about yourself to become someone who is worthy of being delegated to? Denise just said turkey, and I can't stop laughing about that. What do we need to change to be somebody who's worthy of being delegated to? And are we willing to be delegated to? Before I close, I want to share with you a story It happened to me this week. David asked me to preach this this message um, a few weeks ago. And so I I have a lot on my plate right now, too. I'm I'm in school. It's finals week uh, coming up this next week. And so I preached the message for him Thursday night. And uh, we actually did it over a Skype call, which is really weird. But I preached the message to him because he wanted to, you know, give me some pointers like we always do you know, tell me what I need to change, and usually he, you know, he gives me a lot of good insight, but I left that, that mess, or that video call feeling really discouraged, and I know now that it was the enemy who was attacking me, but he had gotten into my head, and I had allowed him to, and I just walked out of there, and I was thinking, man, I, this, this sermon sucks, (laughs) like, and I, and I was even thinking to myself, I was like, I almost don't want to preach this weekend, man. And I was just getting so discouraged and just looking, caring so much about myself. And man, I, man this, is, this is the worst. And it's just unorganized and, and all this kind of stuff. And so I happened to be hanging out with my brother and sister-in-law at their house. And I just kind of told them, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm preaching a sermon this morning. I didn't tell them what, the, what it was about. But I said, I'm preaching a sermon uh, this weekend, and I just don't feel good about it. You know, and and I just, I feel like it's disorganized. I feel like I'm not going to present it well. I'm not going to be able to get through it well. And my brother, Andrew, said to me, again, he doesn't know what the sermon's about, but he said, you know, you remind me of Moses when he was making excuses why he shouldn't speak for God. (laughs) And I said, I said, thanks, God. God, God will put you in your place sometimes to remind you that he's still in his place. And so what I realized is that I had been making, I had been focused so much on on me and making it all about me and making this sermon about me and how, how good of a sermon I could deliver that I had taken the focus off of God. And ultimately, everything that I do in my life serves to glorify God. And so what I learned is that at the end of the day, my life is not really about me. My life is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember, Paul says, it's no longer I who lives, it's Christ who lives through me. And so this week I want to encourage you that the enemy will try to bring you down and God will keep you humble, but ultimately our lives are about so much, something so much bigger than just us. Our lives are about the gospel and this is our eternity that's on the line here. So are we willing to delegate authority? Are we willing to bear the weight of Christ's mission for the church? Are we willing to be disciple makers and be faithful to the calling of God? See, when Moses was faithful to God, God moved in miraculous ways. God will not do anything through you until he does something in you. So this week, be faithful to what God has called you to. And I promise you, if you haven't made this decision to follow Christ, I cannot urge you enough. This is the most important decision you could ever possibly make. This decision will affect not just your, the short years that we have here on earth, but this is eternity that we're talking about are we willing to take up that calling? Let's pray this morning. God, I'm so thankful for what you did on the cross. I'm so thankful for what you did through Moses and for Israel and how you carried out your mission through them. Lord, we just pray that we would know when to and be able to be humble enough to say no to things that we have weighing down on us that we'll know when to delegate and we'll know when and how to be willing to delegate. God, we love you so much and we thank you for your grace and your mercy this morning. All these things I ask in your son's most precious name. Amen.